Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. We've had some pretty cool guests on over the years, um, some pretty notable uh, people like uh, Rabbi Laura Jonathan Sachs, um, the Chief Rabbi of South Africa, uh, Survivor winner Ethan Zahn, but maybe today may be the nearest and dearest to me um, personally in terms of a friend and also um, in terms of I think maybe the Jewish people's love. Okay, Rabbi Sachs is pretty cool too. <laughs> but um, she really needs no inter introduction because you have likely heard of Dr. Mime Bialik, four-time Emmy-nominated star of the Big Bang Theory. Mime, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So you are, the show is over. It is now the, the other side of the, the coin. So how are things going? How are you feeling? Kind of what are the, you know, the, the emotions of just being a few days out of um, this, this huge part of your life? Um, you know, I feel, I've been saying, like, I feel all the feeling. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's very, it is very bittersweet to end, you know, an exceptionally long run on a television show, which, you know, as an actor, we so rarely get the opportunity to play one character for an extended period of time. Um, so that is hard to say goodbye to. Obviously, there's like a comfort to knowing what you're doing and doing it every week for nine years. Um, the show was on for 12 years, just to be totally uh, transparent. But I came on in the season finale of season three. Um, so there's there is sadness and there is overwhelm. Um, it's also very exhausting to go through something like that publicly, meaning mm -hmm. with press interviews and social media. And, you know, there's a lot of expectation of sort of how people want me to feel or how they want us to feel. Um, but there's also a tremendous sense of and I think this is very very much part of my Jewish sensibility, like one door closes and another opens and everything does happen for a reason. And this is, you know, part of my journey. It's not my entire journey. It gives it more perspective this time. Sure. So what I wanted to talk to you today about, you know, because we've certainly, you know, you've been in videos of ours before, um, you know, I think a lot of people know that. And also, by the way, I also realized recently that not everybody knows that this radio show is connected to a website called JewInTheCity.com. I never actually plug like who we are. So we are an organization. We do use social media to reverse negative associations about Orthodox Jews. And I would say, you know, from our organization's point of view, our learning through Partners in Torah, you know, you've really um, used your platform. Um, so incredibly to, you know, get, get us out there. Whenever people ask me to speak about the success of the organization, I always say, get yourself a famous friend. Um, but, obviously <laughs> not, but, um, so, you know, I think one of the things that we talked about when we first started learning, you know, through partners in Torah many years ago, when we were both young ladies, um, I asked <laughs> you, you know, why, why did God make you famous? Um, and you told me at the time that you had never considered that before. So, um, have you given that more thought since, you know, I asked the question, since you sort of got this next um, shot at fame, like kind of what, what do you think you've done with that? How have you tried to use that? Well, I think, you know, um, I, I think when you, when you consider what my life was like when you and I met, um, and yeah, we were, for people who don't know, we were matched blindly through Partners in Torah, which is um, a, a learning organization where they pair, um, they pair people who want to learn about Judaism with someone who knows about Judaism. And we were, we were blindly paired. And, you know, at that time in my life, I had just had my first son. I was in graduate school. 
I had left the industry for 12 years. Um, yeah, it was almost, almost 12 years. And, um, my life was so different. You know, I had been on Blossom. I had been on this show when I was a teenager and, you know, I left the public world to really turn inward and become an academic. So I was in such a different place in my life. And I guess when you asked me that, you know, I didn't feel that I was in a place to kind of have a platform. Um, I was just starting to write for Kfeller, which is a, a Jewish parenting um, website. And I really, I wasn't planning on returning to acting. So I think that was part of it. Like, I just felt like a person, you know? And I mean, to a large extent, I still just feel like a person, meaning we're all wonderful people. Um, but also we're insignificant in the scope of the universe. <laughs> I think I felt that very strongly. Um, but, you know, 10 years later, my life is so different. And, um, you know, I, I have really enjoyed, I mean, the, to work on a show like this, to be on the number one comedy in America is a very big deal. Um, but I'm still a person inside and there are still things that I want to do and ways that I want to achieve happiness outside of the scope of what people sort of think of when they think of the Hollywood lifestyle. I've never been driven by money, by fame. That's not really my shtick. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a performer. I've been a performer my whole life and I love entertaining people. Um, that being said, being in a more prominent position publicly has allowed me to sort of expand the, spoke, the scope of my Jewish presence. Mm -hmm. And um, that's been very personally gratifying. And I've also gotten a lot of wonderful feedback from Jews and non-Jews who um, are in some, in some cases learning about religious Judaism um, for the first time and um, from a very different perspective. I wasn't raised religious. Um, I was raised with a lot of remnants of orthodoxy because my mom was raised orthodox. Um, but I've been able to use, I hate the word platform, but I've been able to use my platform. Um, I do a tremendous amount of advocacy work in the Jewish community, not just with Jew in the city. Um, I speak for Jewish federations all over the world. Um, and I also really try and be a champion for celebrating aspects of Jewish identity that, as you do, you know, bring bring consciousness to have previously been misunderstood or misrepresented. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that's like why Hashem put me here. Um, but I do know that we are all we are all charged Jews and non-Jews alike to make the world a better place and to understand our place in the world um, as, you know, the, the people who didn't create the world. You know, we are all, um, we are all in the same situation. <laughs> Partners with God to improve his world. Yeah, absolutely. So you've, you've been outspoken, you know, probably, and I guess the other thing I wanted to point out, um, I think while the show didn't let you 100% observe in every way you wanted to, I mean, I think it's safe to say you are the most observant actress that Hollywood has ever seen. And you've been also, <laughs> <laughs> you've been outspoken on a lot of topics like, you know, um, God isn't, you know, sort of, uh, you know, such a popular word in Hollywood. You've talked about modesty, Shabbos, mikvah. Obviously, mm -hmm. we've seen a lot of, and I know I've read your comments, you know, on the different pages, um, how impactful these topics are to educate Jews and non-Jews alike, um, sort of the, the fans. What about other 
other members of uh, like the Hollywood public, not, not that you have to name any names, but do you think anything you've ever spoken about has ever touched a chord with anyone sort of on the same playing field that's also mortal, but, you know, sort of gets adored by um, the, the public? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, there, there are, there is definitely, as there is in the non-celebrity world, there is a certain camaraderie um, that I have found among Jews in the industry. Mm-hmm. And um, it is very, it is rare to meet observant people, um, really even people with kind of a God consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, when I find those people in the industry, you know, I, I cling to them because it's, it's, it's both important personally. And I do find that it does add an element of perspective to my career. So for example, um, um, my, my lawyer happens to be a from Jew and, um, it's really, really amazing because we are very spiritually and morally and ethically aligned in ways that are very consistent with our tradition. Mm -hmm. And it is not uncommon when we're talking about business obligations or, um, you know, contracts or observance for us to discuss Torah in the middle of, you know, our personal conversations. Um, there, there is a, our, our co-executive producer of Big Bang Theory, Eric Kaplan, and I um, are very closely religiously and spiritually aligned. Um, for several years on Big Bang Theory, we had a, a weekly learning group. Um, we learned with David Sachs, um, also a prominent um, entertainment person who is, who is religious. Um, and I definitely, you know, I have friendships with, with uh, women like Rachel Bloom and Eliza Schlesinger, and in our personal lives and conversations, we do talk about Israel and we talk about things in the press and as they affect the Jewish people. Um, so it's been really nice to, um, you know, to have those people to talk about, to, to talk about these things with, because like I said, I'm just a person. And if I were in any other job, I would have those kind of friendships um, to talk to people, you know, about these things. And especially with things like Israel, people don't really understand a lot of what's going on in Israel. So um, it's really healthy, you know, for me to be able to reason it out with people who do understand it. Right. Definitely. So look, celebrities are just like us. They also want friends. (laughs) (laughs) So, so you mentioned that you had the the Chabura with Eric and David. um, And we also used to learn um, behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember maybe you were on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Maybe we were learning Halachic Man at the time. I'm like totally Mm -hmm. common thing that people are learning in between. uh, Of course, everybody studies Soloveitchik when they're on Um, set. And, um, and then we also, we had a run, I'm trying to even remember like what books we were learning, if it was, um, maybe something on Shabbos at that point where, we so did, you, right. We did Malachas of Shabbos. Um, yeah. And that probably, I mean, you know, besides the David and Eric thing, this is also probably in terms of historic moments, kind of to wrap up, you know, your, um, your time on the show, probably nobody else. I don't know, maybe they were, but there's probably not that many people sitting and learning um, behind the scenes, you know, on the Warner Brothers lot. I mean, do you think I'm correct to say that? (laughs) Um, I think you'd be correct to say that. Um, And, you know, I think it's important also to point out, um, you know, I think this is a fear of a lot of uh, particularly non-religious Jews as well, that those of us who engage in um, really in any kind of traditional or orthodox uh, proclivities, of which learning, you know, learning together is included. It it never gives me a. Feeling. 
Hello. Oops, hello, can hello. you still hear me? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah I'm right here. It never it never gives me a feeling of superiority or um, like I'm doing something more holy than other people or that my work is more important because I'm observant or because I learn. But what I do know is that for me, that kind of learning that you and I did, that Eric and I got to do, and that I continue to do gives me a general foundation for living what I see as a holy life and feeling inspired uh, by the divine, which no matter what profession I have, and when you and I started learning and I was a stay-at-home mom, um, you know, breastfeeding around the clock and barely sleeping, that is as divine as any work that anyone does. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, every word of the Torah is equally important. Every aspect of our lives is, is equally important in terms of connection with the divine. So we all get to choose the ways that we want to connect with that. And I happen to really resonate with halachic Judaism and with observance and with honoring the Jewish calendar, um, with fasting, with observing the holidays. Those things work for me. They may not work for everyone, but I know that my best life is lived when I'm immersed in that. So this is a good segue. That was, that was, that was a wonderful advertisement. That was a religious Judaism. Very nice. We're going to put that into a soundbite. Um, and it's also a good segue for our next topic. For those of you who are tuning in right now, we're on with Mayim Bialik, who needs no introduction. Sorry, Dr. Mayim Bialik, uh, four-time Emmy-nominated um, actress of the Big Bang Theory that just uh, completed its uh, its run. Um, so you mentioned uh, that you know these observances work for you. So let's talk about... How does it work to be an observant Jew um, in Hollywood when, frankly, um, there's a lot of Jews there, but um, sometimes Jews are maybe less tolerant of, you know, Jewish observance, have sort of less of a capacity to understand. They kind of have these negative memories about Hebrew school or boring high holiday services. How do you, how were you able to carve out what you could um, around the, you know, the rituals and the observances that you were able to keep? Well, you know, I credit Allison Josephs um, for teaching me how to do that because I had to do it when I became religious. And, um, you know, my my parents raised me in a reform synagogue, which I'm very grateful that they sent me anywhere. I really, you know, I was the kid who loved synagogue. Um, and when I became more observant, it was very hard for my parents and in particular who was raised Orthodox and you know, likely had a lot of um, guilt, maybe, mm -hmm. um, about not continuing to live that life. Um, I was up against a lot of her preconceived notions and assumptions, really based on her childhood, which did not represent all of orthodoxy. Sure. Um, but I remember working through that with you, and that's the same skills that I had to work through when I encountered Jews in particular who really did have that kind of attitude of like, oh, you think you're better? Like, oh, you think you know more? Um, you think you've got it figured out? Um, and, you know, what, what I get to do is live a life of an example of what Torah living looks like. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, the more learning I do and the more I ground myself, you know, in these kind of principles, the more compassionate I am, the more loving I am. Um, the more I am encouraged to repair the world, meaning the more, the more I put myself out there in the world. And my feeling is that that speaks for itself. And mm -hmm. if that kind of life is what you want, that's how I, you know, choose to live it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I have a lot of compassion for people who had terrible experiences. Sure. Um, and I think it's also really fascinating that so many Jewish people that I work with, you know, don't even really know like what Sukkot is or what Shavuot is. So when I would say my phone's going to be off today because it's a religious holiday, please communicate with me by knocking on my door instead of texting me when I need to come to set. You know, I had the opportunity for them to say, like, I'm sorry, what holiday is it? And I could say, oh, you know, it's one of the three. And, you know, um, so to me, it was also an opportunity for for kind of gentle education in a very nonjudgmental way. Um, And I think that's what we all want. You know, I I know very little, I think, in the scope of, you know, Judaism. I'm always wanting to learn from other people, Um, even if it's not something I choose to take on. I feel like we all should at least have information from which we can then decide for ourselves what works. Mm-hmm. So the show never filmed on Shabbos, so you were mostly um, like off the hook for Shabbos most weeks. I'm saying in terms right, of right, your- we we taped we taped on Tuesday nights. Typically, mm-hmm. sitcoms tape on either Tuesday nights or Friday nights. Mm-hmm. Um, for many years of Blossom, I taped on Friday nights. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I kind of got lucky in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, in that Shabbos was a non-issue. Um, there there are sometimes other work obligations that happen on Shabbos, which I basically mostly try to avoid and I'm off social media on Shabbos. So um, that's something that gets put in contract. If I do have, you know, things that go over into Shabbos um, Mm -hmm. or sometimes social media campaigns have a certain day that something launches. Mm -hmm. If it happens to be on a Sabbath, I can't do that job Mm -hmm. or they need to know I can do it after sundown. You know, if they Mm -hmm. need something posted, even if I'm not actively posting, I don't want my social media account being live on Shabbos. Um, but in terms of other Yom Tovim, again, other holidays that many Jews that I worked with didn't even know about, um, those are much more difficult to negotiate around. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was always off for Rosh Hashanah and for Yom Kippur. Um, and that was part of my annual negotiation was we would pull out the Jewish calendar um, and it would be presented to Warner Brothers. And um, that was always protected, which I'm very grateful for. Mm-hmm. Um, I did sometimes miss work on Yom Kippur, but um, it was never a tape day. You know, it mm-hmm. always worked out that it was a day that I was given off mm-hmm. um, or that I took off. Pesach is a little complicated because there's two nights of seders. And mm-hmm. I think there was one year when a seder fell on a tape night and I simply was not in that episode. <laughs> wow. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's you're the Sandy Koufax of uh, of this generation. Oh really- yeah, that's, that's me. Except no, I was no, actually on deck. Yes. Look, no. <laughs> obviously, you say that that you weren't um, motivated by fame and money and that sort of thing, but it obviously takes a lot of conviction to say I will go here, but here are my limits. Um, and you know, really, as a trailblazer, to be someone that's you know, kind c- of say, okay, these are the negotiations. This is as far as I'll go. It really takes a lot of um, a lot of no, sort I, of. I, no, I appreciate that, but I also, you know, I want to also acknowledge the people who don't have that flexibility in their jobs. Um, you know, for 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 people who are modern Orthodox and who are living in a secular world, um, it is it is a huge challenge. And I've spoken to a lot of people who have a tremendous amount of conflict about that. Um, so I I I I don't want to act like my case is normal because I know that I have you know an exceptional situation. But the, the principle, I hope, um, you know, even to have that consciousness, yeah. um, I, I think is important. And so when I did have to work on, you know, religious days of Sukkot or, or Shavuos or Shemini Atzeret or many of the other holidays that a lot of people don't know about, um, I did. You know, I would, I would dress nicely. I would go to shul if I could. I would go to synagogue, you know, before 
work or after work. Um, and I would, you know, be off my computer. And there were ways that I created my own concept of it being a special holy day, even though my life circumstances did not allow me to observe it the way I might have wanted to. Right. You had, so you wrote about that you had a driver that took you and sort of handled that stuff. So no, I, right. I I, like, I think you, you I think what I guess I'm saying is that you really pushed sort of, you you moved the needle in Hollywood, I think, Thank in terms you. of even conversations that are happening. And maybe you didn't get to push it as far as you wanted to on this last opportunity. You know, God willing for the next thing, it may go further. And certainly for anyone that now that comes after you, I think that's really the definition Thank of trailblazing. Well, and I think I think also this feels like the right place to, to share something that I have not shared, and you're welcome to tout this as a secret behind the scenes moment, because mm-hmm. I've really I've really only spoken about this to, you know, select from friends of mine. Um, my father, obviously, my, my father passed away, uh, my father died um, four years ago, and it was in the middle of work life. Um, my father died on uh, the first of the, the last religious days of Passover. So he died on a on a religious holiday, and um, I I recited Kaddish the the prayer for for the dead. I recited it for the full year of my mourning. So I did tr- pretty traditional um, Jewish mourning. I mean, I did all sorts of other things. I didn't listen to music, and I didn't wear bright colors. I really took the mourning thing very seriously. But reciting Kaddish for people who don't know means trying to say that prayer in a quorum, you know, with, with 10, typically 10 men in the synagogue I went to, um, three times a day. And, uh, my, my work days for that entire year, um, on big bang theory were preceded by often getting up at five thirty in the morning to go to morning minion. And I would often then go after work. And there were some days when I couldn't make it to all, you know, three, um, services, but that was a huge part of my life. And um, my father's yard site this year happened to fall on the last episode that we taped of the Big Bang Theory. Wow. And it was, it was, obviously it was a religious holiday. Yeah. Um, and we were on set at the time when, when Mincha fell, which is the, um, you know, I'm sorry, when Mariv fell, which is the, the final service. And um, I will not name names, but 10, 10 Jews on set, many of whom had never done this, wow. um, gathered in the hotel set where Sheldon and Amy had their final fight. Um, my ex-husband came. He brought my older son, who is now counted in a minion since he is 13. And I recited Kaddish for my father on the set of Big Bang Theory. Wow. And it was, you know, it, it is a brief prayer. Um, but it was so incredibly meaningful to have also the people who I had worked with for 10 years, um, come together and represent with me as my quorum. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it is probably going to be the moment that I remember the most. Wow. Um, you know, my father used to come to set, people knew my dad, people knew yeah. when he died, you know, I don't hide my grief well. Um, but anyway, I just figured this was a good place to share it. Um, it was very, very, very holy and very complicated. Um, but it was really beautiful. It was really, really beautiful. It's gorgeous. Well, thank you for sharing that. I knew about the uh, saying Kaddish, but I did not know about the yard side. It's really lovely. Yeah. Um, another thing that, you know, and I feel like, well, what do we even talk about right now? Because <laughs> that's like really heavy and meaningful. And I want to talk about your clothes, but that's one of the things I wanted to ask you. Um, Amy... 
Amy was a pretty sneeze dresser because mine Bialik is a pretty sneeze dresser. So <laughs> how, how did that go about? We have about five minutes left. Uh-huh. Um, well, let's see. I don't wear pants outside of the house. Um, and that, I don't know, you probably remember better than I do when I took that on. You were like, I have um, a secret to tell you after our learning, I stopped wearing pants. I'm like, okay, that's okay. <laughs> yep. So, okay. So it was between 10 and 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, for about 10 years, let's say I've not worn pants outside the house. And, um, when I went for my first fitting, um, you know, for Amy, they kind of presented some choices and I was like, Oh, I like this skirt, you know? And I didn't, I didn't kind of have a significant conversation when I was brought back in season four. Um, um, you know, there, there obviously are further fittings and they presented some pants and I was like, yeah, so here's the thing. I, I don't wear pants. And she said, what do you mean? And I, uh, I said, I don't, I don't, I don't wear pants. I'm like, Oh, a Jewish lady who doesn't wear pants and <laughs> kind of looked at me like, what are you talking about? So, um, it became kind of Amy's look, thankfully. Um, we, we continued with skirts. And the good thing on Big Bang Theory is every character has a very specific wardrobe that they wear. Um, mm-hmm. The Smithsonian actually is going to be um, displaying all of our you know, traditional costumes. And yes, Amy's is a skirt. Um, there are a few exceptions. There was once a scene where there was a very specific joke about sweatpants. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I called you about it and yes. they were baggy and there was a long shirt that covered my tush, mm-hmm. um, which again is not, that's technically not my halachic sensibility, but it was right. a compromise for the purpose of this episode. Sure. Um, there was also a paintball episode where there is not a skirt option for paintball. Right. So, um, again, it was baggy and I had a baggy right. jacket over it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been very interesting. And even with, um, you know, we've had a, many episodes with formal wear. And so they know that I don't do sleeveless. I don't do strapless. Um, we always have like a cardigan over a sleeveless dress, if that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, for the finale, I had kind of a higher sleeve than I normally would wear, but it was feathery and I felt comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we've put many panels in dresses on Big Bang Series to cover parts of me that um, I don't want to show or, you know, in terms of like the square inches. Literally skin. everyone in Hollywood um, cuts out fabric and you're like, let's add some more on. <laughs> right. Well, I, I gather all the fabric that they, uh, they <laughs> everyone else takes off their clothes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny image. Um, and also I would say in terms of that, even in terms of bringing, well, I, I would also say like modesty is so in right now. And again, not to like give like you, I mean, I, I don't know, Mime. I feel like you really started this trend. Like it really. No, I, I don't know. I don't know if I started this trend. I think that trends go up and down. Um, and you know, for those of us who live in California, where it's like always seventy five degrees, right. you know, everybody's huge. I mean, I dress like it's New York in the winter every day, just because that's my. I'm kind of like a Daria person. Like that's just my sensibility. Um, but honestly, like one of my favorite things that you post on your Instagram is all of the fashion um, that is modest. And that's like one of my favorite things. And I usually make comments on your Instagram about it because I think it's important to point out there are ways to be sexy. There are ways to be attractive um, and not have to kind of show everything. And I think that is a lot more part of our sensibility now. Obviously, with the Me Too movement, um, we have to be so careful because there is absolutely no excuse for anyone um, touching you, making comments, anything like that. But for those of us who feel more comfortable um, with kind of less showing, um, I think it's really important to realize that there are ways to do that. 
um, and to to look the way you want. And that really is, you know, I think the ultimate aspect of, you know, kind of orthodox feminism um, is really feeling empowered by the way that you dress um, in a way that makes you feel confident and good about yourself. And that's going to vary depending on a lot of things. Right. And this, I don't know if you saw this article we did, this young singer, not Jewish, said that she likes to wear baggier clothes because she doesn't want her body yes. to be a conversation. And I think, you know, I think that that is exactly um, the point that you've always tried to make that, you know, we try to make a Jew in the city that like, you know, talk about my ideas and my talents and my personality and not what's under my clothing. And I think that's really, I think that is part of the Me Too movement, not to, you know, blame or shame or anything like that, but just let's move the conversation away to the parts of me um, that are lasting and really capture my essence. So um, for whatever part of this that you have been um, a part of this trend or a part of this movement, I believe it's certainly significant in many areas of consciousness, um, bringing ja Jewish values to the world at large, bringing uh, Jewish sensitivities to the world of Hollywood. Um, it's been an incredible and historic run, Mind Bialik. I, I know this will not be the end. I'm sure there's going to be some fabulous, exciting um, things up next. And um, thank you so much for your time and for sharing the story. Thank you. And thank you again for your inspiration because it's been a huge part of my journey. So thank you so much. And for what you do for the Jewish community at large. Couldn't do it without you. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk soon. And thank you for listening. You can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.